This is the third session that I am talking to you about regarding in hard times, God will rescue you. How many of you believe that? Praise God. Well, there's no doubt about it. There are a lot of people are going through some hard times. A lot of people going through hard times. Maybe people in here right now are going through some very difficult times. But God, I always say, but God, God is still on the throne. Jesus is still Lord. His word still works. It's not over yet. And it's still time for you to win. Amen. Praise God. I think I want to give him another shout in advance. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's go to the scripture that we began this series on. In hard times, God will rescue you. Psalm 33, beginning in verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. The message translation says, God's eye is upon them who respect him, the ones who are looking for his love. He's ready to come to their rescue in bad times. And the passion translation says, The eyes of the Lord are upon those who wait in hope and expectation. Notice, in hope and expectation. And we gave the definition for expectation as anticipating with confidence. Looking forward to a future event with reason to believe that that event will happen. Hallelujah. How many of you are expecting some good things to happen? Amen. We have declared since the beginning of this year, actually way back in October of last year, that this is the year of the the open hand of God. That those who will not be moved by all the chaos and the disorder that is happening around them, then they can expect to experience the open hand of God bringing to them supernatural, extraordinary, and unusual provision. Hallelujah. Is anybody in here already experiencing that? Well, I certainly am, praise God. And if you're not, just remember, the year is not over. Hallelujah. Amen. It could be that your breakthrough will come before you get home today. Don't ever give up on God. Somebody said, I don't know if that's possible. Well, no, wait a minute. Be careful when you say something like that. The prophet said one time, this time tomorrow, God will do thus and so. And there was one guy that said, I don't think that could happen. Even if, 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 if God was to, to do it and, and turn, uh, you know, make it happen right out of heaven, basically. He said, the prophet said, oh, it'll happen. And you'll see it happen. But you won't experience it. You won't partake of it. So be careful when you say things like, I don't believe that could happen. Don't be the only one in the building to not experience it. <laughs> Amen. If it's the most difficult thing 
that you've, you've ever dared to believe for. Just keep daring to believe it. Amen. Because God is faithful. Can you say amen? amen. So the eyes of the Lord <clears throat> are upon those who wait in hope and expectation. So expectation is a confidence or it's a anticipating with confidence. I, I anticipate what God says in his word, the promises of God. I anticipate them with confidence coming to pass in my life. If I didn't, why would I even live this way? I mean, if God's not faithful, then why are we even coming to church? If God's not faithful, why would we even read this book? But he is faithful. Keep coming to church and keep reading the book. Amen. God is faithful. And when you find the promise that pertains to your situation... The Bible says all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen. That means affirmative and so be it. So you can have confidence that God will watch over those promises and bring them to pass in your life. Now, I didn't say before dark. I didn't say before the weekends, even though that is possible. But the point is, having done all to stand, stand. Just continue to believe. Don't ever give up on God. Don't ever give up on the promises. Amen. You've heard me say it before. There are some things that I believe God for that he promised me. And it took 20 years for it to come to pass. But what's 20 years when it comes to pass? Because what he did for me, most people never experience in a lifetime. But I didn't think, oh, dear God, it took 20 years. I didn't even remember how long it took. I was too busy rejoicing that it happened. Amen. It happened, praise God. So once again, expectation is an anticipation or anticipating with confidence. Always remain confident when you find out what God says about your life. Can you say amen? Now, Psalm 37, verse 18, and this is some a little bit of review before we get into some New material. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. <clears throat> they shall not be ashamed in the evil times, and in days of famine they shall be satisfied. Now the message translation says, In hard times the upright will hold up their heads high when other shelves are bare. Theirs shall be full. Hallelujah. Now the Passion Translation says, even in a time of disaster, he'll watch over them and they will always have more than enough no matter what happens. Hallelujah. That's a good verse for today. You ought to write that one down and keep it before you. Type it, write it down on a, on a little uh, sticky note. Put it on your mirror. Read it every morning before you leave the house. Psalm 37 and verse 18 from the Passion Translation. Even in a time of disaster, he'll watch over them and they will always have more than enough no matter what happens. Hallelujah. That's good news, isn't it? Praise God. So it's important that we know what God says so that whenever 
the media says something, we can counter it because usually they're not talking what God says. You have noticed that, hadn't you? And we can counter it with, yes, but God says this. And I choose to believe what God says. Amen. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by what I believe. And I believe what the word of God says. Hallelujah. Amen. And so it's going to be that way in my life. Now, in Psalm 1, and we've gone over this in the first session, but it's my sermon. I want to hear it again. Psalm 1 says in verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Passion Translation says, What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways. The Amplified Bible says, Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. So notice if you want to be blessed, pick the right company to associate with. Amen. Hang around people of faith. Make your best friends people of faith. Hallelujah. Now there's people that I know and I come in contact with and they don't believe like I do, but I've learned, praise God, to be able to just stand there and look at them eye to eye, smile on my face, not believe a word they say. Well, how do you do that, Brother Jerry? Well, some of you do it every Sunday. No, that's not right. (laughs) That's not right. That's some other church I preached in. (laughs) So you can, you can, as Brother Copeland taught me years ago, turn a deaf ear to that. Amen. Just, just don't, don't let it get into your heart. Amen. The Bible says, protect your heart. Don't let negative things override what God says, because if you do, then it'll get in your heart. The Bible says, as a man believeth in his heart, so is he. You will become what you believe. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Now, um, verse 2 of that Psalm 1 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. How often? How often? Day and night. I don't see anywhere in there where it says, look at your Bible about once a week. Or just when you come to church. Day and night. Day and night. Why? Because bad news is coming day and night. Amen. He meditates in the word. His delight is in the word day and night. And it says if he'll do this, and if you'll do this, he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And listen to this. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Does anybody like to prosper? Praise God. Well, notice right here, this this is the key to enjoying prosperity all the days of your life. Amen. Keep the word of God before you day and night. Meditate in the word day and night. Don't, don't follow those who scorn and, and, and make fun of and contradict what God says. Don't follow people like that. 
The Bible says in Hebrews 6, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Amen. The Passion Translation says, His passion is to remain true to the word of I am, meditating day and night on the true revelations of light. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of life. Hallelujah. Every season of life. He is never dry, never failing, or never fainting, ever blessed, and ever prosperous. Hallelujah. Notice, that includes in times like these. Can you say amen? Now, this is what the righteous can expect. But now listen to this in verse 4. But how different are the wicked. So there's a difference of what happens to those who remain faithful to God, keep their eyes on the word of God, and those who don't. Nothing they do will succeed or endure for long. Talking about those who do not follow these instructions. Nothing they do will succeed or endure for long. And verse 6 says, but how different is it for the righteous? Look at your neighbor and say, that's me he's talking about. (laughs) Say, Say, my life is different than the rest of the world. Hallelujah. And then John 17, 16, Jesus said, talking to and about his followers, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. The message translation says, they didn't join the world's ways just as I didn't join the world's ways. Amen. That's important. Don't join the world's ways. Don't agree with what the world is basing their confidence in. Amen. Don't join their ways. And then John chapter 16, verse 33 from the Amplified Bible. In the world, you shall have tribulation and trials and distress and frustrations. But, don't forget to read the but. Because what follows but changes everything. But, be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. uh, Undaunted. For I have overcome the world, I have deprived it of its power to harm you, and I have conquered it for you. Let's give the Lord a good shout for that. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a good shout for that. Amen. Now let's get into some new material. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And let's look at verse 18. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The Amplified Bible says the path of the just gets brighter and brighter. That means, praise God, you've got a wonderful future to look forward to. Oh, well, let me ask you a question. First of all, you are the just, right? Let me see the hands of all the just. Okay, then look at somebody and tell them, my future's bright. Hallelujah. God has a plan for each and every person in this room today. 
And that plan does not include failure. It does not include failure. It does not include defeat. It does not include barely getting by. We've already seen from the word that when their, bears, uh, their, their shells are bare, ours shall be full. Amen. So God's plan is not for you to fail. Jeremiah 29, 11, you all know it. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. He wants to give you the end that you're expecting. Amen. I'm expecting good things in the days ahead. I'm not expecting to fail. I'm not expecting to go under. I'm not expecting to lose everything. Amen. I'm expecting it better. I'm expecting to get stronger. I'm expecting to increase. I'm expecting to, to experience the favor of God even more than I ever have in the last 52 years. Hallelujah. That's what I'm expecting, praise God. And it's a proven fact. You get what you expect, good or bad. But I'm expecting good things. The message translation says, I know what I'm doing. God speaking. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Plans to give you the future you hope for. What kind of future are you hoping for? Let me encourage you if you haven't done it. Start writing down the future you hope for. The Bible says, write the vision, make it plain. Write your vision. Write what you're expecting your future to look like. What do you expect your future to look like by the end of the year? What do you expect your future to look like one year from now? How about five years from now? Well, maybe you you haven't thought about it that far in advance. But at least you can write down what you're expecting God to do for you and your future by the end of this year. Amen. This is a biblical thing. Write the vision. Make it plain. So he that reads it can run with it. In other words, when you write the vision, you have something to aim for. You have a target. Amen. Don't you, a lot of people, they spend all their lives shooting scatter shots and hoping something will land. Amen. You know, this is, this is like shooting a rifle, not a shotgun. You got a, you ever been out to the rifle range or the pistol range? And they got a target for you to shoot at. You got something to aim at with a, with a shotgun. You're going to get a scatter shot, but with a, with a rifle, or a pistol, you're going to get exactly what you aim for. Can you say amen? amen. So that's, that's, that's like a target. When you write your vision, then you've got something to aim for, aim at. Something, the Bible says once again, he that reads it will run with it. In other words, if you keep it before you, then it will motivate you. And especially when it looks like it'll never happen. Don't lean to that. Go back and look at your vision. Say, well, this looks like it's never going to happen, but here's my vision. This is what my future will look like. Hallelujah. 
And I said, does that really work? Well, if it doesn't, somebody needs to tell me because it's been working for me for 52 years. <laughs> Amen. Let me give you an example. And you've heard me tell this before, but, but, you know, we're an international ministry. This is not all I do right here. This is just an outreach of Jerusalem Ministries International. <laughs> and we don't have international on the end of it, just on a play on words. I went to one little church one time down in South Texas, wasn't much bigger than our speaker's room, and the, and the sign on the front of it was as long as the building. And it had international. Well, it didn't look international, but I asked the pastor, I said, uh, you gave it the name international. He says, well, it don't look like it now, but that's what we're believing for. We believe we're going to have churches all over the world. That was his vision. And that's the reason he put it up there. So every time the people, his congregation would come in, they would see that we have a vision. We believe we're going to be international. Well, it's not just my vision. We've been international for years and years. I've had the privilege of preaching in 49 different nations. And we plant Bible schools. We plant churches, orphanages. We've built medical facilities. We're involved in humanitarian efforts. And, and so uh, it's an international ministry. And because I've been doing this, uh, my first trip internationally was 1978. I went to Africa, Kenya, and the Lord said, what you do here will be the springboard to the rest of the continent. And you'll establish your ministry in 10 different African nations. Well, since then, uh, you know, sometimes nations split up and it's one nation became two nations. So now it's 11 nations. And, and we're doing that. We've established our work, Bible schools and so forth, training centers in 11 different African nations. But it didn't stop with Africa. We've taken it to, the, to other parts of the world. We have staff and offices in other nations. Amen. So we are indeed international. But it got to where it was getting harder and harder to get to some of the places I go to by commercial airlines. Because a lot of the airlines don't, don't go to all the places I go to. Joe and I, many times, we've, we've flown as far as we could get and then have to have somebody pick us up and drive us another, sometimes as far as eight hours to get to the region that we were doing the meetings in. And uh, so, uh, you know, we started believing God at his instructions for an international aircraft so that we wouldn't have to depend on the airlines. Somebody said, well, are you too good to fly the, Ameri uh, fly the uh, uh, airlines? No, I've done it. How many of you have a card from American Airlines that says you have flown 4.5 million miles with our airlines? I rest my case. <laughs> That's just one commercial airline I've flown. That doesn't include all the others that we've flown, you know. But a lot of times they can't get us to where we need to go. Not only that, have you ever spent 21 hours on a commercial airline? Was everybody pleasant? <clears throat> Was everybody talking a word? Was there joy aboard? In fact, I was flying one time and uh, 
got on the airline and I always liked the bulkhead and I'm sitting there on the bulkhead in the aisle and uh, uh, this guy sitting next to me, I don't know him, he don't know me. I didn't have preacher written across my chest, you know. He don't have a clue what I do or who I am. And in a little while, uh, the captain came out of the cockpit and said, hey, Jerry Savell, I'll be right back. I want to talk to you. I said, okay. And so in a little while, uh, one of the flight attendants come up and said, Jerry Savell, I didn't know you were on our flight. I have one of your books in my purse. And as soon as I get through serving the people, I'm going to come up and have you autograph it. I said, fine, I'd be happy to. Well, in a little while, the, the captain came out of the cockpit and knelt down right in the aisle to talk to me. And we're just talking to word. He's a believer. And then the flight attendant came with three more flight attendants who wanted their books autographed as well. And they all sitting in the floor right there by me. And we're talking a word, signing books and enjoying the presence of the Lord. And finally, this man sitting next to me, he said, well, I don't talk like this, but this is the way he talks. So you can get the point. Who the hell are you? I said, highly favored. Thank you. <laughs> then his next comment was, well, I hadn't had any damn service since you got aboard. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> so not everybody on those commercial airlines believe like you do. In fact, one man got so mad at me, we were, we were going to Tanzania. And uh, our first leg was to go to uh, Amsterdam and then catch another flight out of Amsterdam into uh, Kilimanjaro. <clears throat> and I got on their DFW on a big jumbo jet, sat down where I like to sit down. And uh, the flight attendant came by and handed me a USA Today. And the headlines, I'm just, I just looked at the headlines. The headlines were talking about all the chaos that's going on. This was several years ago. And, the, uh, you know, everybody's losing money. And then there was an article in there about how many nonprofit organizations were having to shut their doors because giving was down so low that they couldn't contain or couldn't sustain their operations anymore. And I just said out loud when I, when I read that. I forgot I wasn't on my plane. I just said out loud, this will not affect me. And the guy next to me said, what? I said, I'm sorry, sir. I forgot, I forgot where I was. He said, where did you think you were? Well, I didn't bother explaining it to him. I just said, well, uh, this article, that will not affect me. He said, why not? I said, well, I'm a, I'm a minister. I have a nonprofit organization. And I, I don't believe that this will affect me. He said, well, what makes you different from them? I said, well, some of them apparently don't know what I know. And he got mad at me. He said, well, whatever. And then turned his head and never spoke to me again. All the way from DFW to Amsterdam Holland, you know, never said another word to him. And when he got up, he gave me a dirty look. 
But when we got into Tanzania, the next day, uh, Joe took me into the, to the office there at the little place where we were staying. Uh, and, and so I could check emails from back here in the office. And our accountant, she's going home to be with the Lord now. She said, she sent an email. She said, dear brother Jerry, uh, after you left Fort Worth, uh, I know you're in, you're probably still in flight. Uh, or perhaps you've already landed, but I just wanted to give you a good report. We just received in the offering one of the largest offerings we've ever received in the history of this ministry. I wanted to find that guy so bad. Oh, and all I wanted to say with to him was, whatever. <laughs> just because it's happening to everybody else in the world doesn't mean it has to happen to us. Somebody join with me and shout amen. Hallelujah. So write down the vision. Now, we, we, we began to believe God for a Falcon 15 international jet. I wrote the vision down. I kept it in my notebook. I even had a model of the airplane made and put it on my desk. I even had photographs of Falcon 50s and enlarged them and put them on easels in my office. What am I doing? I'm writing the vision. I'm writing the future I'm believing for. Well, did it happen, Brother Jerry? Well, take a look. There it is. There it is. That'll take me anywhere in the world, hallelujah. And look at the end number. November 920JS. 9 represents September 20 represents 2020. It happened in a pandemic. Look what God did. Amen. Look what the Lord did. Hallelujah. Amen. So does writing your vision work? Duh. I've been doing it for years. It's the way I believe for everything that I'm expecting to happen in the future. In fact, if you were to come into my office, you would see a model of every airplane that we have owned over the last 52 years. But we had the model before the airplane came. And once it, once it manifests, then I take that model and put it on a shelf in, a, in another part of the office. And I put the new model that I'm believing for on my desk right in front of me. And all those models are on that shelf. Amen. Every time we outgrow one, we give it away to another ministry and begin believing God, writing the vision for the next one. Now, I had a group of pastors come and visit me one time and I took them into my office and they were looking at all those models and someone sent me a model of a stealth and I, I had it on that shelf and they said, what are all these airplane models for? I said, these are airplanes that we have believed for over the years and they manifested and we put them on this shelf as a testimony. You had a stealth? We didn't know you had a stealth. I said, that's the reason why they called it a stealth. <laughs> no, I haven't owned a stealth. But who knows? Maybe we'll need a stealth someday. <laughs> I don't know. Praise God. So write the vision. Look at your neighbor and say, write the vision. <clears throat> Say it this way, write the future you hope for. <clears throat> Say it again, write the future that you're hoping for. 
Amen. Now, listen to this. If you continue to trust God, stay in step with the Holy Spirit, then the Bible makes this promise. Psalm 138, verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth you. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth you. And the word perfect here means cause you to reach your expected end. Cause you to reach your expected end. The Passion Translation says, this is how God will do it. You keep every promise you've ever made to me. This is how God will cause your expected end to become a reality. He keeps every promise that he's ever made to you. The message translation says, you will finish what you started in me. Hallelujah. Does anybody in here say, God has started something in me? Well, look at somebody and tell them, and it's not over yet. Amen. So the path that you're on right now, even though it might be filled with trouble and adversity, if you won't give up, if you won't give up, if you won't give up. You know, folks, if there was any other way to win besides not giving up, don't you think in 52 years I would have figured it out by now? I don't know any other way. Don't give up. Don't give up. I think it's so interesting, too, that God took a quitter and taught him how to not give up and make a winner out of him, praise God. Because I was, I was not uh, a man of great fortitude before I came to the Lord. I was a great starter, but I wasn't a great finisher. But after I came to the Lord and got my heart full of God's word, quitting, giving up became a thing of the past. That is not even a part of my life. Doesn't, it doesn't come into my thought life. Praise God. And God has honored it. And he's no respecter of persons. He'll do the same for you. Can somebody say amen? amen. <clears throat> so no matter if the path you're on right now is filled with trouble and adversity, if you won't give up, then God is going to turn things around for you. He's not through with you yet. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, it's not over until I win. Determine that you're going to stay in faith and determine that you will never give up. Now, Micah chapter 7, verses 7 and 8 are some of my favorite verses. Some of you have heard me talk about this before, and, uh, but it's worthy of repeating, praise God. Micah 7, and verses 7 and 8. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait. Sit up there. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Now notice, I will wait. That implies I will never give up. I will wait. And it also implies no matter how long it takes. You see, if you have the attitude, well, if it don't happen by tomorrow, I'm done. I'm through. I don't want to live this way anymore. Well, What if it doesn't happen by tomorrow? That doesn't mean God's word is not true. That doesn't mean that God's fallen off his throne. That doesn't mean that Jesus has been overtaken by the devil and now the devil's Lord. 
No. Wait. Wait. You know, have you ever noticed uh, all the restaurants in Burleson right after church time are full by the time you get there? The Baptists let out early, I guess. I don't know. The Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Catholics, they all get there ahead of us. And we have to wait. And wait. And wait. And wait. And wait. And wait. And we get tired of waiting. Anybody ever get tired of waiting for a table at a restaurant? All right, I'm going to cast out lion devils in just a minute. You know you have. That's the reason a lot of times Karen and I go downtown. There's not a lot of people in the restaurants downtown. By the time you get in a restaurant in Burleson and get done, it's 3.30 in the afternoon by the time you get home. We go downtown. Oh, I shouldn't tell this secret. Now you'll all, now you'll all be going downtown. <laughs> and it, it takes a little while to get from here to downtown, but you get on Chisholm Trail, don't take long. And you can go in PF chains and there may be two other tables of people or some of the other restaurants downtown. And you don't have to wait all that long, you know. People get tired of waiting. And it's one thing to get tired of waiting on a restaurant, but don't ever get tired of waiting on God. Amen. Don't ever get tired of waiting on God because he will come through for you. He's the faithful God. Now, once again, therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. Salvation is an all-inclusive word. It means it denotes deliverance, preservation, safety, peace, prosperity, health, harmony, that's, that's what salvation includes. And notice it says, I will wait for my God, the God of my salvation. So isn't that what you're desiring? Deliverance, pres- preservation, safety, peace, health, harmony. Then it's worth waiting for. And God promises that he will come through. Verse 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. In other words, it's not over yet, Satan. I might be down, but I'm not out yet. Amen? Don't strike up the band just yet, Satan. I might be down, but I'm capable of getting back up. The most natural thing to do when you fall is get back up. You've heard me give this illustration before. If, I, if I'm walking across this platform and accidentally fell off, landed in the floor on my back, and you come back next week and I'm still laying there, <laughs> somebody would come up and say, Brother Jerry, why are you still laying here? Well, last week I fell. <laughs> well, yeah, we saw you fall. But are you hurt? I don't think so. Well, why don't you get up? Oh, you don't understand. I fell. <laughs> That's dumb. Amen. 
In fact, if I accidentally fell off that platform, I'm going to get up so quick and hope to God you didn't see me fall. Because <laughs> I've had it happen before. <laughs> Amen. We were in Hot Springs, Arkansas. You know the place you're in. We were in Hot Springs, Arkansas, out in a field, a pasture. It's a ranch. They, they used to have camp there, Brook Hill Ranch. And, uh, and I was preaching. And they, they, had a, they made a platform out of two four-by-eight sheets of plywood and, and nailed them to a, a, a stand that was about, oh, maybe this high. And that was my platform. And people are sitting out in front of me. It's an outside thing. And, and every once in a while, a cow would walk by right between me and the, <laughs> me and the audience, you know. At least I got a response when he walked by. He said, Ooh. That's cow talk for amen, brother. Amen. And so, uh, <clears throat> and they had a little band and, and the, the band uh, had all their instruments on the side of the platform. And the drums were over here. And the guy that played the guitar, he, he leaned his guitar up on a stand, you know. And I'm preaching and back then, I preached it so fast, you had to buy the tape, slow it down to figure out what I said. Because I didn't know if anybody would asked me to come back again, so I preached everything I knew in one sermon, you know, <laughs> real fast. And so, man, I'm, I'm preaching on there, and I'm going, and I mean, I am, I am shucking the corn, as Jesse would say. And I got too close to the edge and fell off, and my bottom landed in the bass drum. My arms and legs are sticking out of the bass drum. Everybody got up to see where I went. And I'm, I'm sitting in the bass drum. I said, Lord, what do I do now? He said, Micah 7, 8 and do it quick, boy. I said, Micah 7, 8, Micah 7, 8. It says, when I fall, I shall arise. He said, do it quick, boy. Don't ask any more questions. I said, what do I tell the people? He said, don't say anything about the fall. Just take up where you left off. So I come out of that bass drum, got right back up there and just took up where I left off. Now, right after the service, there was a lady came up to me and said, Brother Jerry, how come you to fall? I said, it was an accident. But did you see that recovery? She said, do you fall often? I said, ma'am, I'm going to talk to you about the fall. Let's talk about the recovery. She said, I've never seen a preacher fall off the platform before. I said, lady, I'm not going to talk to you about the fall. Let's talk about the recovery. She said, is there something wrong with you? Do we need to pray for you? I said, lady, I'm not talking to you about the fall. Let's talk about the recovery. See, some people fall and they spend the rest of their life talking about the fall. Amen. He said, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. Amen. If the devil's knocked you down, get up. Get up. Hallelujah. Amen. In fact, uh, Proverbs 24, 16 says, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. You might get down, get knocked down seven times. But the way to win is get up eight. 
Amen. Amen. That devil's knocked me down seven times, brother. Well, all you got to do when is get up another time. Get up eight times. Amen. Many of you have heard me share this story. And uh, I can't help it because every time I read Micah 7, 8, I think of it. When I was, when I was a young boy, uh, my dad and I used to love to listen to boxing on the, on the radio before we got a television. Anybody remember those days? Am I the oldest one in the building? <laughs> we didn't have a television set. Mary, my mother-in-law, thank you, Mary, remembers those days. And dad and I would be right up next to that radio listening to the boxing matches, Rocky Marciano. And uh, uh, my favorite old-time boxer was Archie Moore. And uh, I'd watch those, I'd listen to those. Then we finally got a television set, and on Friday nights they'd have the Friday night fights sponsored by Gillette, and then eventually sponsored by Paps Blue Ribbon (laughs) beer. And uh, so dad and I are glued to that television set. But I always loved it when Archie Moore was fighting. He was my favorite old-time boxer. And I just happened to bring some statistics this morning to show you what a great boxer he was. He fought. He had one of the longest professional careers in the history of boxing. He competed from 1935 to 1963. He had a total of 220 fights, winning 186 of them, losing only 23 times and won by knockout 132 times. And some of these boxers, they think they're the best of all time. They ain't got a clue. There's one he calls himself the best of all time. I call him M.D. Most deceived of all time. As of December the 20th of 2020, Archie Moore was ranked the third greatest pound-for-pound boxer of all time. One of his most memorable fights, and I saw it on television, my dad and I watching it on television, was in 1958 in Montreal, Canada. Uh, Archie was light heavyweight champion, and he was defending his his title against a, a tough Canadian by the name of Yvonne Durrell. Yvonne Durrell knocked Archie down three times in the first round, and Archie got up. Durrell knocked Archie down again in the fifth round, and Archie got up. And then in the tenth round, Archie knocked Durrell down. And in the eleventh round, Archie knocked Durrell out and retained his light heavyweight title. Now, I was invited years ago to do a conference in Phoenix, and it was with professional and Uh, collegiate athletes. Either they were there because they were currently athletes, professional or collegiate, or retired. And we had about somewhere close to 3,000 men and women in that meeting. The other speakers were Coach Tom Landry of the Cowboys and Bart Starr, former quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, two of my heroes. And I was one of the speakers along with them. And that night I spoke, I told this story about Archie because I was preaching out of Micah 7, 8. And I said, at the end of it, I said, Archie must have known Micah 7, 8. And much to my surprise, a man got up in the back of the building 
and said, you're too young to remember that fight. How do you remember that fight? And there's Archie Moore. <laughs> My childhood hero. Got to meet Archie after the service and uh, uh, what, a, what a thrill it was. How many of you remember when George Foreman made a comeback and fought again for the heavyweight title and eventually fought a man by the name of Michael Moore? Jesse and I were preaching in Detroit and that fight was coming on Saturday night. And we got out of the meeting and went back to our room. <clears throat> I said, Jesse, I've arranged to watch that fight tonight. You want to come to my room and watch it with me? Yeah. So we went to my room. And uh, they'd already had all the preliminary fights. But by the time we got out of the meeting, the, the fight with, with uh, uh, George Foreman... And Michael Moore, thank you. And uh, it was just starting. And I noticed Jesse's over there rolling his eyes. He's about to fall asleep. I said, Jesse, stay awake, boy. You're going to miss this. And Michael Moore was winning the fight. I said, Jesse, stay awake. One punch. George Foreman kicks like a mule. One punch can knock that guy out. Just, just stay awake. It might come any minute now. <clears throat> well, in a little while, that one punch knocked Michael Moore on his back. He couldn't get up. Jesse was asleep. And I jumped over the coffee table shouting. He said, what happened? What happened? I said, you missed it. And guess who was in the corner that night as the trainer for George Foreman? Archie Moore. Archie Moore. Why? Because he just believed when I fall, I shall arise. You just keep getting back up. Can you say amen? amen? So if you are on a path right now where you've been knocked down a few times, it's not over, folks. When I fall, I shall arise. Look at your neighbor and say, when I fall, when I, fall I, shall I shall arise. No matter how many times I get knocked down, I will arise. Amen. Now, the Apostle Paul adds to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Now, let me read it to you how the religious mind reads it. We're troubled on every side. Oh, yes, Hallelujah. We are perplexed, oh dear Jesus. We are persecuted, oh yes, amen. We are cast down, oh dear Jesus, help us. That's not what it says. It says, we are troubled on every side yet. In other words, the story's not over yet. Not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. One translation says, we might, we, we, message translation says, we've been surrounded and battered by trouble, but we're not demoralized. God hasn't left our side. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Don't let getting knocked down, don't let adversity and trouble demoralize you. Amen. The Bible says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Another translation says, 
I might get knocked down, but you will never knock me out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isaiah 54, 17. You're very familiar with it. I'm going to read the latter part from the Amplified Bible. The King James starts out with no weapon formed against us shall prosper. The Amplified Bible adds, triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Amen. That simply means you were born to win. I said you were born to win. Hallelujah. You were not born to fail. You were born to win. Now the word triumph means to have a successful ending. To have a successful ending. And that's where you're headed this morning. Praise God. Now let me wrap it up with this. Just a couple of stories here. And I won't ask you to turn. You can look them up later. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8 says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is during the time of the flood, as you recall, a time when there was great chaos in the earth. But the Bible says right in the middle of it, Noah and his sons found favor with God. Now, Noah was not even a born-again man. Jesus hadn't come and surrendered his life to the cross and shed his blood in our behalf. Not yet. So we're talking about someone who's not even born again. How much more can you and I expect to find the favor of God in our adversity if this man found it in his adversity? The story of God rescuing Noah is what theologians refer to as being typological. That's a word I learned this morning. Typological. Hallelujah. I feel smarter even than I was yesterday. Hallelujah. And it means once you see God doing something once, it becomes a type of the things that he will do in the future. So God or Noah finding favor with God in a chaos, it's a type of what God will do for his people in the days ahead. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. So you're going to find favor. You're not going to lose this battle. You're not going to be destroyed. These hard times are subject to change. Favor is on its way. Hallelujah. Put your hands up like this. Say, come on, favor. Come on, favor. Amen. Now, just one book later, we find the story of Noah in Genesis. One book later, the book of Exodus, shows you God doing it again. And you know the story. Exodus chapter 12, verse 36. God is delivering his people out of the hands of Pharaoh. The Lord gave the people favor. Oh, there it is again. The Lord gave the people favor. That's what you can expect right in the middle of hard times, chaos, disorder, pandemics. You can expect if you will stay true to God, you can expect to find favor with God. Amen. His favor is going to manifest in various ways. In fact, I believe we are headed for unprecedented days of favor. Amen. Gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And verse 51 says, the Lord brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. The point is, if we refuse to give up, we keep our eyes on God, 
then he is going to deliver us out of our hard times, just like he did Noah, just like he did the children of Israel. Why? Because it's typological. (laughs) Hallelujah. David once declared Psalm 30 verse 1 from the Passion Translation, Lord, I will exalt you and lift you high for you have lifted me up. You have made me to triumph. And once again, the word triumph means to have a successful ending. Amen. And verse 5 says, now here I am fully restored. I love that. That's, that's, that's your end. Now here I am fully restored. Look at your neighbor and say, that's my story. Here I am fully restored. And give the Lord a good shout. Praise God. Amen. Now what does restored mean? Bible definition, not not Webster's Dictionary. Webster's Dictionary, restored means to bring back to his original condition, original existence. But that's not the Bible's definition of restore. When God restores, he makes better, he improves, he increases, he multiplies. Hallelujah. And it's it's proven in what he did with Job, Job 42.10. And God turned the captivity of Job and gave him twice what he had lost. Minimum with God in his restoration is twofold. He'll bless you with twice what the devil stole from you. It's quite possible to experience seven times. As the Bible says in Proverbs, you catch a thief. Well, Satan is a thief. If you catch a thief, make him recompense sevenfold. Jesse heard me preaching this one time and he said afterwards, With what I just heard you preach, I have just gotten too expensive for the devil to mess with. (laughs) Amen. So restoration is headed your way. Amen. Glory to God. So we'll close it with this. Psalm 34, 17 from the message translation. Is anyone crying for help? Is anyone crying for help? God is listening and ready to rescue you. God is listening and ready to rescue you. I'll say it again. Your future is going to get brighter and brighter as the days go by. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. Do we have our prayer partners handy? People that are assigned to pray. Would you guys come on up here? Not to embarrass anybody in here, but if, if you are struggling right now with adversity and in the natural, it just looks impossible to overcome. We want to stand in faith with you. That's, that's what... Assembling of believers, part of it is all about. So you have others of like precious faith can stand in agreement with you. That's what we want to do this morning. So if you will, if the musicians will go ahead and just minister unto the Lord. If you want the prayer of agreement prayed for over you, would you come on up and allow our prayer partners to pray over you and set themselves in agreement with you in the name of Jesus. Come on up. Don't wait on anybody else. Just come on up. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. 
We bless you, Lord. We want you to leave in here this morning confident that God knows exactly where you are. God's working behind the scenes. And God's about to turn things around for you. Hallelujah. Joseph, would you come up? Uh, Pastor, would you come up as well? There's still others. Would you come right here? Anyone else? Come on up. Pastor Justin's right here. You guys come right here. Hallelujah. Good morning. Good morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I set myself in agreement that this couple is about to arise out of all the adversity they're facing. God is not going to allow them to fail. The favor of God is about to manifest in their behalf. And they're going to have a testimony. And God is going to make the devil wish he'd never attack them. In the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that we as a congregation are going to hear this testimony soon. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. You agree with that? Yes. All right. Praise God. Thank you. Glory to God. Amen. Come on, let's all lift our hands and just begin to worship the Lord. Worship the Lord.